welcome back to In the Booth, a podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Atelsik, and I cover education. In this series, I'm sitting down with each of the 16 candidates in the race for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a much more crowded field than we've ever seen, and there's been a lot more money spent than we've ever seen, and school board elections in general across the country are receiving more attention than ever before. So we figured it was important to sit down with each local candidate and ask them about the most important issues facing Frederick County Public Schools. Today, my guest is Tiffany Noble. Tiffany said she started following the school board and became interested in running during the pandemic when she was frustrated with the district's mass policies. And she said that she would focus on parents' rights and transparency if elected. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. This is our second to last one. We have one more candidate and that should be coming out in the next couple days here. Don't forget, primary elections are July 19th and early voting begins July 7th. So today we have Tiffany Noble. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Just to get started, can you tell us about uh, where you're from in the county and what your day job is? Um, I'm an accountant uh, for uh, Natural Lawn of America for the corporate office. Um, I live in Monrovia near Mount Airy. Uh, I've I've been here in Maryland for six, seven years now. Okay. And have you ever run for any kind of public office before? I have not. <laughs> okay. What made you decide to want to run this time? Um, well, it started It started with the masks, I think, for me. I mean, there was a lot of problems I had with the school system. I have three kids in the school. Um, but it started with the masks and feeling like, okay, I'm finally going to do something about it. And hearing all of the stuff during lockdown of what they've been learning and how it's being taught and how how bad the struggles were and how things were just kept from the parents. It was almost like we couldn't, we weren't allowed to watch what they were doing. It was very not encouraged, for sure. What do you mean by that? Well, we had, we had, I had teachers that told us not to be in the same room as when the, the kids were doing it. Um, Luckily, I had they were in my office, so there was nowhere else for them to go, really, to, to make sure that they were paying attention and things like that. So I was able to see a lot of what was going on. Hmm. Okay. And you mentioned uh, that there were things that were being taught or ways they were being taught that you didn't agree with. Can you tell me a little bit more specifically what you mean by that? Yeah, it's it started with Common Core math to begin with, and I didn't feel like I could... I had any say in that. I didn't have a way to. So my daughter would be doing a math problem that would take her five minutes, whereas I could teach her to do it in less than a minute. There's no, there was no times table memorizing. There was no anything like that. So it's, it's, they couldn't do it, you know, right away. And it, it seemed like almost a waste of number one time. And the, there was, Subjects that had where they were portraying things in not the nicest light to any of the characters or who they were talking about involved. Um, and it was just. What kind of lessons are you talking about there? Um, between history and health. And um, there were some English courses or some of the English assignments that my, my sons, because they're in 
they're in high school now, um, were doing that it didn't, it just didn't make sense to me why they were portraying one character like this. I've, and why they weren't, some of the English assignments weren't traditional. Like you, you don't have, um, you're not reading, uh, one floor of the cuckoo's nest and, um, some of them like, uh, animal farm or, um, some of the traditions of Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. It, there was nothing classic. It's like they took the classics out of, out of things and the health classes seemed a little age inappropriate to me. Mm. So it really got me involved in why are we teaching kids these things now? And then hearing that, they just passed the, the um, the the framework. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they were already teaching some of these things, which was a little frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. So it all of that before got me started thinking that I needed to do something because I want I couldn't see what was being. I didn't know when things were being passed until they were already gone. When you start looking into, uh, and I understand that a lot of things were passed before I got involved, but that doesn't make it okay that they were passed at all. You know, see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like not being able to hear if my kids um, wanted to change their gender or wanted to be called something else. Those are things that parents need to be made aware of so that they, if if for for some reason that their kids weren't, starting to feel confused or depressed or something like that things that they can look for and make sure that things are okay whether they agree with it or not you know what i'm saying the the um noticing when things aren't right and not knowing what it is well if you have that information you can probably pinpoint better what what the issues are if they don't want to talk about it you already know you know maybe they're confused or maybe i need to i need to get them help to to either work through what they're going through or figure out why they're depressed about what they're going through. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you mentioned the um, sexuality curriculum, family life and human sexuality curriculum, which is something that uh, I am asking every candidate about. Mm -hmm. And so you, I was going to ask about it a couple minutes, but you brought it up now. So I figured we can talk about it now. Um, you and some other candidates who you've uh, aligned yourself with have been pretty outspoken about this issue. Um, can you tell me about where you stand on it as of right now um, and what you think about the way that the overall discussion and the debate sort of played out um, throughout the community as it unfolded? I think that the community wasn't... Now, I have um, met since some of the meetings have happened about the Family Life Advisory Committee I have met with the um, Frederick community, the LGBTQ community, and their, what they have, and it was a great conversation. It was me and some of my people from um, Moms for Liberty. We met with uh, the, let's see, some of the head board there. At, at the Frederick Center? Frederick Center, yes. Okay. And um, we had a great conversation. It, it lasted for hours. I think we went home at like 1030 at night. <laughs> but um, they were unaware of some of the things that we were, they misunderstood some of the things we were upset about. And I don't mean we as in some of the far fringe people. 
Um, I mean, some of the normal parents that just don't want their kids taught highly sexualized material. It's not about, and it, it, and we explained that it's very hard to get across exactly what you mean in the three minutes you're given to the board. You have to get your point across as best you can without, without putting a lot of meaning on, on what it doesn't mean. And it's very hard with the sexualized because they made it sound like, well, it's, we hate the LGBT. That's not, that's not what it's about. We don't want them taught highly sexualized material. We're okay with the fact that, you know, they're told that everybody has a different type of family. We don't care about that. And I was able to explain some of the things that we're finding and they were not okay with what I was showing them because we had more time to show them videos and um, like the video that was approved for first graders. Um, some of the things that were approved oh, for. Sorry, what are you talking about a specific video that you showed to yeah, this yes, yes. Okay. There's a video. Um, a lot of them are from amaze.org, um, and anybody can go look at these videos. This one was specifically approved, not yet in our county, thank God, and I will be pushing to make sure it doesn't, but it was approved in New York, which is also where Advocates for Youth, which is exactly where the framework comes from, that they approved, that Maryland approved. The framework is from Advocates for Youth, and it's I mean, it sets out every, all the curriculum. It sets out the the um, lessons, all the videos. Um, let's see. The, the one I was talking about was, so it was on a playground, and it was a little boy and a little girl and a teacher, and they were talking about playing with themselves, like in the bathtub and at home. I mean, this is th these are things that, need to be a conversation at home, not between a little boy and a little girl on the playground or their teacher, period. And this was a video you're saying that was approved already? Yep, in, okay. New, in New York, not here yet, Okay. because we haven't okay. gotten that far. Right. This is the first time hearing of this, so Yeah. I'm not uh, aware and can't kind of really right. forth on right. that, but continue. Right, and you can look up any of these. If you go to amaze.org, all <laughs> the videos are awful, and half of them are confusing even to adults. Um. But you've got the the video that was approved here for seventh graders was um, from Planned Parenthood, and it was it, it talks about seventh graders like they're adults with multiple partners, multiple relationships. It doesn't make any sense for so it's it's not age appropriate for seventh graders. So it talks about them going to get tested together. And if you get tested together, that means you love each other. And um, there are STDs, but most of them can be cured. I mean, talking almost in this tone, most of them can be cured cured with a pill or, and the ones that can't be cured have, you know, have, uh, have ways that you can take care of them. And then it ends, it never mentions talking to your parents, never mentions talking to your doctor, Never mentions anything, but it says that, you know, you can come to Planned Parenthood. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little frustrating that they're taking the parents out of the equation. And I think that's what upsets a lot of parents, that they're taking us out of our kids' 
the kids' equation. It's our kids. It's their education that we need to be made aware of. And there are, I mean, beyond the religious connotations of how people are frustrated because they don't want their kids to taught because of religious reasons, every kid, you can't teach every kid that kind of thing the same. Not every kid will be okay with, you know, talking about anal sex at seventh grade. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not every kid will be okay with, um, like, the, the elementary school um, English book that they, they just passed a couple meetings ago, um, talking about the sexual abuse in that, that book, the Prairie book. Not every kid is going to take that the same. You can't teach those things. I mean, besides the fact that they could be trigger issues because of somebody that's maybe sexually abused at home, you can't sit there and, and make those things okay to read to everybody. It's not, not every kid reacts the same. Not every kid will take those lessons well or... Um, Take them as just a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Um, the issues with that we have with young kids talking about um, gender fluidity and things like that, talking about, well, if you like trucks and you're a girl, maybe you're a boy. If that was around when I was young, I'm, I was a tomboy like crazy. I went shooting with my dad. I climbed trees. I refused to wear dresses. You know, I, I liked wearing boy clothes, but I wasn't a boy. But if somebody had said, maybe you should think about, you know, maybe maybe you might consider yourself a boy, I would have been confused. To be fair, I don't think that that is the kind of thing that at least that they're saying is going to be discussed or the way that it's going to be portrayed. I right. understand what you're saying, but I right. just don't think that but that's the, a fair portrayal right there. Right. Well, I didn't say anybody would saying that to somebody, but if it's if it's even discussed like that, somebody might be thinking, hmm, well, I play with trucks or I like my hair short or like my, both of my boys, they're in high school. They have long hair, mainly because we were military. So we cut their hair short, short, short for years and years and years. And once they finally got their own to be able to do their own haircuts, they decided they wanted it long. They didn't want to cut it anymore, which is fine, but that doesn't make them a girl. And some of the things that the... Um, I don't remember his name, but the person in charge of curriculum, he was saying that we were going to teach kids that it's, you know, you know, if, if you're a boy, it's okay to have long hair. Well, if you go to Linganore High School alone, almost there's a lot of the boys that have long hair. I'm sure everybody knows they can have long hair now. You know, it's not a thing that needs to be taught. Mm -hmm. It's not a thing that needs to be pointed out because they pretty much do their hair however they want. They wear whatever they want. You know, it's it's not a thing that needs to be curriculum. Teachers are tired as it is. Teachers need to be able to be teaching what they went to school for. English, art, um, music, math, history. It needs to be facts. It needs to be, I mean, art is a little different because, you know, art can be anything. But, um, and music is one of those other things that can be anything. It's a, a you know, it's your creativity. But the, the basics, the math, um, English, history, science, those don't need to have any of that stuff in there. 
they don't need ex- teachers don't need extra stuff put on them. They're not paid enough. They don't have enough time in the day. Right. Well, yeah. So that actually kind of gets into some other questions that I was going to ask. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, if you were elected, you would be serving alongside the first new superintendent that FCPS has had in more than a decade. So I'm wondering, how would you plan to work with Dr. Dyson and what kinds of initiatives or ideas do you have um, about anything the district could maybe change as it enters this new leadership chapter? Well, I mean, you work with anybody as best you can. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with her being from Montgomery County or her being a woman or her being black. It doesn't matter to me. You're working with a superintendent. The superintendent is you hold the superintendent account- accountable for what happens in the schools. For example, bullying. To me, a lot of the a lot of the things that are going on with writing new policies. Policies are words. Policies are just there. Nothing is holding anybody accountable. You're not getting the principals to tell you what is what and what is where. You know, they need to, I would want to have data. And at the last um, race and equity community, um, committee meeting. I spoke with um, I spoke with oh goodness, my mind with one of the board members, and I told him I was like, we need to start holding people accountable. Words are words. Words on paper are still words. You know, things need to be done. Nobody should be bullied, no matter what, no matter what reason, no matter who they are. It doesn't matter. Bullying is bullying, no matter who's doing it. It needs to be, it needs to be dealt with in an even manner, regardless of who's doing the bullying, and or what race or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not about uneven. If there's uneven, because they were talking about um, equity in um, punishments and things like that. If there's uneven, why is there uneven? Is it because a different percentage is doing the bullying? It only talks about who's it's only it only talks about who's being punished it doesn't talk about what was done so there's you can't compare like they were wanting data points you can't compare apples to oranges you have to compare well this is what happened this is what was punished and go along so you've got the minorities this is what happened and this is how they were punished you have the everybody else this is what happened and this is how they were punished why are they not the same why are these people being punished differently than these people? You know, those are, those are the kind of thing that needs to be held accountable. We need to find out and fix those problems. Is it a school that needs more access to whatever? Is that why people, um, children are acting out more in that school? There's no accountability. It's all words. It's policies passed. It's words being spoken. Um, and that's so far what I've seen is that's it. Okay. Well, one of the things that um, Dr. Dyson has said is going to be a priority of hers and that I know is a priority for the current board is special education. So if you were elected, how would you plan to navigate the continued impact of the DOJ investigation? And do you have any ideas of specific um, reforms you think could be made in the area of special ed? I will have to say that I am not up to date on special needs. My son has a 504 plan, but that is not near what the issues were. Um, I would take into consideration experts that talk about it. I know that 
somebody that I'm running with, um, April Montgomery is very, she was in special ed education. So she would be a good resource to, to what happens in those classrooms. Um, I would go to classrooms to see what was happening in those classrooms. Um, seeing how, um, how teachers are trained. Cause I think training is huge. I think that teachers need to be specially trained for that kind of thing. You can't just throw a teacher into that kind of environment and expect them to excel. They have to know the psychology of somebody's triggers and who not to put in the same classroom as somebody else because of their conflicting triggers. And um, those things are things I've learned from April because I have not been in those situations before. Um, my son has ADHD, so it's not really a special edu special ed kind of issue. I mean, he needs extra time and it's hard for him to pay attention. But other than that, he's not violent or he doesn't have, you know, the extra sensory issues that some have, um, things like that. So me not being a an expert on that, I would work with people who actually know what they're talking about in that field first. Gotcha. Well, this is something else that you had mentioned briefly earlier. Um, you said something along the lines of teachers aren't paid enough. Um, so that's obviously a big uh, recurring issue here in Frederick County. Um, we have staff who are not paid um, at the same levels as their colleagues in surrounding counties, which can lead to a lot of concerns about recruitment and retention. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that issue and any strategies you might have thought of or um, things you would look at in terms of how do we mitigate that? Um, well, we need to look at the budget overall first. That's a big issue um, because there seems to be a lot of extra in there that needs to be. And I still have to really dig into the budget still to, to give specifics on that. But I know there's a lot of... Um, fat, so to speak, that can be trimmed and moved towards teacher salaries. I know um, my daughter's in Girl Scouts and one of her, one of the parents is a teacher in Montgomery County and they were talking about moving up to, um, up to their daughter's school to, to teach in Frederick County. And they said, I, I can't do it. It's almost a $20,000 pay cut. I was like, <laughs> so, I mean, teachers live in Frederick County where it, it lower cost of living, but they drive 10 minutes to go to um, Montgomery County to work because it's, I mean, even my, my stepmom works for um, Montgomery County Schools right now, but she started in Montgomery County, moved to Frederick County, and then moved back to Montgomery County and getting a $25,000 a year raise. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's why we're not keeping people here. We're not keeping the good people here because, and I'm not saying we don't have good teachers because we have a ton of good teachers. Um, we can't retain them because they need to make what cost of living and with inflation and everything else and you've got um you've got the assistants and things like that that have not had a step up they were frozen for what two three four years so they need they need a cost of living bump beyond what the normal step up is they need to get back on track to what would have been and then some because nobody's being compensated besides you know the big people like the superintendent is getting compensated like they should be. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, uh, something that you have touched on a couple times is this, this idea of transparency and communication with parents, um, which I know from following your campaign has been a big part of yes. what you're campaigning on. So um, 
I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the um, survey results from the firm that was responsible for uh, hiring Dr. Dyson. They put out um, a pretty comprehensive survey of some teachers, staff, students, community members, and one of the um, key data points that I took away from it was this idea that there's sort of um, a lack of trust in some ways in the school system and a desire for more transparency and, and better processes with the school board. So um, I, I assume just from hearing you talk that that's something you agree with, um, but I'm wondering what would you plan to do about it if you were elected? There are quite a few things. Um, when we talk about, so the trust issue is a lot of what the what people have a problem with with this curriculum, with the highly sexualized curriculum. They don't trust teachers to teach it in a way that, like they're saying, age-appropriate without all the extra stuff. Nobody can trust them anymore because we saw what happened during COVID. We saw what our kids were learning kind of thing. Um, there are a few things I would do for one with books. So books, I have been accused of being a book burner, which I'm not. Um, what I would do is I would have a, a link right on the front page of FCPS and I would have <clears throat> I would have a place where a parent or a teacher even, anybody can go in, they'd have to have access. So you'd have to have a student student ID um, so we can at least make sure that the people that are entering this stuff is it actually concerns them. They could give us a book and a page number and then that would go to the libraries. It would be sh shot off to the libraries to see if we have those books in the libraries at our schools. And at that point, if we did, we would take that book to the, the Board of Ed would take the book and read it and decide if it had educational benefit to it. Um, like, for example, if you talk about Animal Farm, there, just that one alone, there are some quite graphic details in that book. But it has educational benefit. However, if somebody had a problem with it, it would be put on a list of teacher guided reading instead of just in our in the libraries. So if it, it had educational benefit, it would be it would still be available to be taught, but with discretion, if that makes sense. Um, then you've got I I the first thing that I would like to do is get all teachers will have a page on their school page and they will have everything put there. All of their curriculum, all the books they're going to use will will have a link to it. They will have and they've done it in other counties, so I know it's it's possible. Um that way parents could go there at any time, look at the books that they're going to be using, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're very so each teacher because because of the way our county education is run, it's not um, every English teacher in third grade teaches with these books, et cetera, these books, these lessons, these handouts, these whatever. They're given a, a menu to choose from, to pick and choose how they want to run the lesson, which is fine. But that way, that's how the um, individualized teacher websites or pages would work. So that way, each class would have their own list of books, list of curriculum. They'd have, this is what we're going to be learning this week. These are the books we're going to be using. This is et cetera, et cetera. So that way, that's more transparent. 
the BOE, um, I would get cameras in all of our committee meetings, first of all, because there's no reason there during times when most parents are working. So it's unfair that they can't attend. And the minutes that they're putting out are awful. They're minimal at best. So that I would start that. Um, our BOE meetings, I would have more of them and I would have a town at least once a month or once every quarter. I would have a town hall type thing where people can ask us questions. There's no reason why we can't interact with with the community. I mean, even if it's a simple, you know, I hear you, you know, you had a question. This is this is my answer. or I don't know that answer, but I will email you and get back to you. Before you leave, give me your email, or I have your email address on the sign-up sheet. I'll get back to you. And then put something out on, this question was brought up, you know, this was our answer. There's no reason why we can't do that, why it can't be more interactive. We are, we are um, elected by the people. We should be able to interact with the people, and they should be able to interact with us. All right. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, I want to ask you about... Um, sort of how you view yourself and the, the candidates that you've aligned yourself with in the race. So first off, I want to ask, um, you mentioned April Montgomery and you said you were running with her. So I know there's one um, official slate in the race, which is a, a legal term. It means they're right. raising money together and spending money together. And you four are not a slate. Correct. But can you talk to me, how would you characterize the relationship between yourself, April Montgomery, Ashley Nieves, and Heather Fletcher? I would say we're more... Um, we think we think a lot alike, meaning the things that are important to each of us are important to each of us, you know, um, individually and then as a group. I would call us more of a, a, I wouldn't say a ballot either. I mean, we're running together, but just alongside each other. We're not running together, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, you can't run. I mean, the slate, even though they're a slate and raise money together, they are still individuals. Um, you still can vote for one of them and somebody else and somebody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't, you don't have to vote for all four of them or all four of us or all, you know, all four of even the Apple ballot or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, there was no need for us to tie our money together. And we have our own opinions and we have our own specialties and we have our own everything. So we can work with anybody in any, you know, in any faith, any whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't, we're not saying that we can only work with each other in that sense. So we're not, we didn't connect ourselves in that type of way. Right. Okay. And then I also want to touch on you. um, Earlier in our conversation, you said something about um, describing extreme people, um, or I think you used the word fringe in this race. So I'm wondering, um, I mean, you're, you're a group of four, the Slate is a group of four, um, both groups, you guys have described yourself as having conservative opinions when it comes to governing the school board. Um, so where do you see yourself fitting in to this race? You know, it's a really crowded field with 16 candidates. And, and what do you think you bring in terms of um, either your professional experience or just your, your background and your skills? What do you think you bring um, that might be different from other candidates? Well, I would definitely say that my county background really helps with budget-wise. Um, I'm a parent, so I have three kids in the system. So I have that 
I have that view of what parents need and what um, what they're looking for. And then I have my whole family is teachers on both sides. So I have kind of a viewpoint of what teachers need or what teachers want or what teachers are looking for, the hardships they have, the frustrations they have. Um, I can kind of feel for those with the the 504 plans because I've, I've got a kid with 504 plan. Um, I, I'm for all kids no matter what. So it's not – I while I consider myself conservative, I don't – I'm not just here for Republicans. I'm not just here for Democrats. I'm not just here for um, independents. I'm here for everybody. Every kid deserves a great education, and we need to give them a great education to get them out into the world and have them survive in the world. Um, like my son, my oldest, didn't even know how to write a check. I had, I had to teach him that, which I, you know, I, I learned in home ec. You know, I learned in life skills. Those are things that should be taught. I mean, yes, parents should be teaching them. And, you know, that's one of those things that somebody has pointed out because I was talking about um, my daughter not learning, like, America the Beautiful, the song in school. Like, that's where I learned it. But as a military, as prior military, and as a parent, I should have taught her that too. You know, it's one of those things that you – I went through – life, you know, thinking that everybody in the education system had the best interest for our kids at heart, and it's time to keep them, hold them accountable to that. They should. And I'm a little frustrated at what hasn't been held accountable and what has gone slipping through the system of not getting the education they need to really, you know, most kids start their college education out taking a year of things catching them up to college. And it's not, they shouldn't have to do that. So that's one of the things that I, I definitely want to change is the fact that, you know, our kids need a good education and they're not getting it right now. We're, Frederick County's in the 50% percentile in both reading and math, and that's unacceptable. All right. Well, is there anything else you think is important to say about where you think you fit into this race or... Um... Just any of your priorities going forward? Um, um, priorities, truth, transparency, everything we get out. We try to get um, all of the information to the parents as best we can. And um, we do our research. We don't put anything out without research. All right. Well, Tiffany Noble, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay.